0: Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Soprano. This is the second part of our two-part podcast look at being a golf course architect during this period of uncertainty caused by COVID-19. On the first part, we had Jan Beljan on. She's based in Southeast Florida. On this part of the podcast, we're going to be speaking with Forrest Richardson, who's based in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, and he's going to give us the perspective In Arizona. And also Forrest has done a lot of lobbying on behalf of the golf industry. So he's going to offer some tactics later in the podcast to help those who may have to communicate with a politician, not only during this COVID-19 period, but anytime thereafter. This is the second time Forrest has been on the Tartan Talks podcast. It's always great catching up with him. And before we get going with Forrest, we'd like to thank Better Billy Bunker for supporting this podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a big supporter of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, they are a supporter of a number of industry efforts, including the work of golf course superintendents. So we're glad to have them on board. And it was fun catching up with Forrest again. Well, Forrest, it's great to have you on the the podcast again. I hope you and your family and everyone else in Arizona is staying safe. And the first thing I wanted to Ask you just kind of describe the situation in the Phoenix Scottsdale area right now, and what is life like, and what is golf like in your part of the country?
1: Thanks for having me on, uh, guy. I appreciate it. And uh, you know, things here, um, Arizona has um, has been spared as as much as possible. I mean, we we have a fairly low rate of uh, infections, you know, per capita in Arizona. And um we're fortunate about that. I, I think that part of that might be the fact that, you know, we have the weather and the space that this virus doesn't like. So, you know, we already know that uh you know, people that are closer together are, are more apt obviously to transmit it and we also know that it likes cold and um and we don't we don't have those things here predominantly. So I think we're doing well. As far as golf goes, people are playing golf. Um, I like to see that because I'm I'm a firm believer that golf has some tremendous values during all sorts of crises, including things like this. And we don't have to look uh, further back than the Spanish flu and World War One. Golf played a huge role in getting people outdoors and allowing them to uh, walk and enjoy recreation and fresh air. And, and there there are even some advertisements from back in that 1917-1918 time period when people were encouraged to go outside and play golf, buy golf balls, buy a net, put a net in your backyard, enjoy enjoy golf, you know. So um, I'm, I'm just a firm believer that we should be doing that uh, nowadays, and I, and I like to see communities keep golf open if they can.
0: Really, things intensified in mid-March. That's kind of, what, the end of the snowbird season in Arizona or the close to the end of it the final month of it what was what was the uh winter like up to that point were things busy was the weather nice what was the what was the uh th- this winter like in Arizona in terms of uh, the, the golf industry
1: well it, the spring training uh, you know which is of course we all look forward to because um it's a a booming time for restaurants and roots uh the first day of spring training it rained which is okay and then the the weather was just glorious and and then right away the uh, covid-19 um caused cancellations and, and all sorts of things so you know spring training for the most part was, was did not happen uh in Arizona but the weather uh right after spring training got underway was just great and um we we've had a uh a really really good um winter for the most part we've had a few rain days but but you know Arizona was uh was in its glory um, most of the time, you know, November, December, January, and February, and um, we, you know, one of the things you you say, well, when does when does it wind down here? Um, a lot of people in the hospitality industry have tried their best to extend that golden time, you know, for our resorts and whatever. And so, uh, and we've seen that the last decade, we've seen um, resorts stay fairly busy you know, even through uh, the early part of May and mid-May. And uh, we've even seen uh, resorts stay tremendously busy during the summer because they they now cater to uh, staycations, you know, where people stay in the valley and, and take advantage of the great rates and, and, you know, might take their family to a resort or to a weekend getaway or something like that. So I would like to think that Yes, we have a season, but it's grown over the years, and 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 we're no longer just that three four months a year that maybe people equated Scottsdale and and uh, Phoenix with uh, in the past.
0: Forrest, when was the last time you were on a golf course, and what was the scene like that day?
1: Well, I have to admit, I'm I've been a very very last on a golf course uh, with a golf writer who was out here from the East Coast right before the COVID-19 of golf with their family or friends it gives them a chance to communicate and to socialize and to have some laughs and have some fun play golf Uh, and they can do it responsibly I mean far 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 more responsibly than going to the grocery store I mean I I just don't understand you know the the, policy makers that are shutting down golf courses Um, I I think there's really two categories one category is they don't understand golf uh, so they don't they don't know that there was an architect involved that that said, you know, you'll start here and you'll go here and then you'll go here and then you'll come over this way and then you'll come back this way. And they also don't understand how you can manage a course to space people out. And They also don't understand the fundamental part of the game that you have your own equipment and every player has their own ball. There's no other sport like that in the world. And that's one category. The other category is and I hate to say it, but in Southern California, where I'm from, um, we saw golf courses there get shut down. Why? Because they got lumped in with all the photos of people at Venice Beach and out on the different beaches and public parks and whatever. And so naturally, the policymakers said, aha, well, we're going to close the beaches. That means we have to close the golf courses. And what a shame, because they're not the same thing
0: at all. You bring up an excellent point about uh, dispersing people on a golf course when you're doing your design projects and and your routings how much do you think about traffic and spreading people out on a golf course
1: well bill yates uh, who, who passed away here a few years ago was a was a great friend of mine well one of my dearest friends and um, i learned so much from bill on pace of play and more appropriately flow and so in my world, working on golf courses, renovations, remodels, or, or the occasional new project or transforming a course into something different, I think of uh, the way people uh, move around a golf course, I, I think of it from the perspective of everything that Bill taught me. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about that. I'm not certainly the guru that Bill was when it comes to flow and pace of play, but I learned enough from him that I, whenever I can, I try to carry on his legacy. Uh, when I'm dealing with uh, routings and remodels, trying to trying to envision how this golf course is going to be managed to the best possible experience and advantage of not only the players but the people running it. You know, I mean, you, the, the the reality on a golf course is, you know, you don't want people stacked up waiting on a tee or waiting to hit shots. That's when they get frustrated. Day in the COVID-19 era here, my point is that all it takes is a different tee sheet interval and a different management policy to really build in and more responsible social spacing. So not only groups, but the courses can help manage how players move around. By uh, There's one course here in the Valley that... Um, they're, they're sending people off the first and tenth holes, uh, managing the course totally different than they normally do in order to build in spacing and to not have any situations where people are coming off a green and you know finding another group waiting on the tee.
0: Forrest, in different parts of the country, uh, their golf courses being maintained with crews of maybe a half dozen and even fewer than that people. What, what do you learn about the functionality of a golf course when minimal maintenance is done, and how much have you considered um, that here in the last few weeks when you've thought about how, how golf is being maintained and, and played across the country?
1: Well, it's, it's putting uh, pressure on the owners, certainly. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, the other part, by the way, of keeping golf courses open is it keeps people employed. And that's a really good thing. I mean, you don't have to look far during this crisis to see the impact that closures of all sorts of businesses and services have, have uh, you know, it's really taken its toll on the country and the world. Um, what I've heard from the owners and clients that I work with is um, they're, they're hit hard because they want to retain employees. They also have the tug-of-war in that it's a living, breathing garden, you know, and it needs to be cared for. You can't just walk away from a golf course and ignore it. Uh, Otherwise, things will happen to it that aren't good. So, you know, just as an example, we have a client up in Washington State, and um, they've done everything they can. Their golf is closed there. The governor of Washington has effectively closed golf courses so they've they've tried their best to retain their maintenance staff, and they've done a pretty good job of it. They also, I believe, had a couple of the maintenance staff fall ill, so that was a pressure. Um, even if they wanted to retain them, they had to send them home and, um, and you know but the biggest impact for them is um, is right now the the cost issue of you know without any revenue coming in, it's a big burden. To keep those ten, twelve maintenance staff uh, on, and then they're also having the effect uh, that that is uh, supplies. You know, they they can't get certain things. So fortunately, they they they're well stocked in their maintenance uh, department, and and they haven't needed a lot of. But when they do need something, they they have to really work hard to figure out. Well, how are we going to go get that? You know, and and, and how are we going to get it here and get it shipped and whatever. Um, and then on the side of food and beverage and the pro shop staff, that's been a disaster because they had to send all of those people home. And, and uh, their fear is that it'll be hard to attract some of them back. And uh, so, you know, they'll they'll have another um, issue coming up when Washington State reopens. Um, you know,
0: they'll have to staff up again. Forrest, what's your day-to-day life like right now? Take me through the... Uh the The day of a golf course architect in, in in this stretch
1: well i've fortunately um depending on how you look at it uh, two thousand and twenty uh when I came into the new year, I only had a couple of projects that were actually scheduled to be under construction which which happens you know when you i'm as office I pretty much work independently and I have um five or six key People that I work with uh, in different capacities. So I, I have a favorite group of agronomists, and I have a, a construction estimator that I work with, and then I have people that help me with CAD uh, drawings and and other functions. So when when I came into 2020, um, we we did one project for Ping uh, here in Phoenix, which was at their demo. So we were building a green and bunker for them and um didn't know anything about the virus but we decided to get an early start on that so we did that work in december and january and we actually sawed it and it's done and finished and they're thrilled and it came out good and lo and behold the whole COVID 19 happened pretty much a week or two after we finished that that uh, project the other one is a private club in northern california and as as of this date and time that we're talking, that is going forward this summer uh, pending the ability of contractors to work and, and get materials in Northern California, and that's just a small remodeling project. But, but my day-to-day, um, the, the upside of not having a lot under construction is my day-to-day has been working on, you know, literally 15 different uh, projects that are in planning on paper Uh and so I have had very little, if any, interruption of those projects. Those are all moving forward, and, and instead of getting on a plane and flying to Lake Tahoe or flying to Northern California or flying to New Mexico, um, the meetings are happening over web-based platforms, and, but, but everything's continuing. And uh, so um, it, it's been uh it 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 hasn't been the biggest change for me uh aside from the travel I, I miss the travel in one respect because i i love face-to-face meetings and i love being on sites and working with clients and being in rooms and hearing different perspectives and and helping them solve problems i've just been doing that now you know over the phone and on the web but but um we we've done a lot of that anyway so it's just a little difference in that you know I'm I'm here I'm not I'm not in the air I'm not flying. Uh,
0: every golf course architect is a small business owner for the most part, Forrest. What is it? What is it like running the business? Do you, do you feel any stresses that you didn't feel a few months ago? Just take me through what it's like being a a, a business owner when there's some uncertainty.
1: Well, I think that for us. We've been meeting budgets and, and our billing forecast and our work forecast has stayed intact so far. I think the biggest uncertainty, of course, is how long the shutdown is going to be and what impact it will have on the projects that we have in the hopper, you know, that are that are projects that um, are scheduled to, to perhaps be built or realized in 2021 or 2022 or thereafter. So... However, I, I remain very optimistic. I, I I am a believer that this situation is a wake up call for the world. I think that there will be good coming from it in terms of uh, differences to how we interact and and maybe some of the social spacing policies uh, stay uh, at play going forward with, with certain uh, within reason. But I think the biggest uncertainty is is just how will golf projects be impacted. Um, On the upside of that, I'm very optimistic that our rebound, not just in golf, but our rebound in all sectors, I think will be very sharp. Uh, You know, it's been described as a V. In other words, we've come down hard and quickly to the bottom of the V, and I think the potential is we go up quickly uh, and... Certainly the stimulus packages help. I also think attitudes will prevail. So um, my encouragement to people in the golf business, whether it's on the superintendent side or the ownership or the management or the architects or all of the suppliers and people that are connected with golf, hospitality included, I think that added everything. So we have an opportunity during the crisis to point out the value of golf during times like these, we shouldn't forget that. Um, and my encouragement to all of us in the golf world is: is remember the value that golf can play today. It's, the, it's very similar to the value it played during the Spanish flu. It's also similar to what we see over in the in Afghanistan or the Gulf War, when service uh, members, you know, built makeshift golf courses to help recreate and and take their mind off the stresses. Um, During World War II, golf played a huge role around the world, not only as a respite for people, but also um, some courses were turned into hospitals and airfields and things like that. So golf has been a constant for 500 years in being a, um, uh, a, a little sanctuary that people can go have fun and and recreate, and I think those values are things that we need to carry forward. So the messages that we have today, the lessons we uh, are experiencing, and when you look around where golf is still being played, those positive things are things that we need to to say to ourselves. Hey, how do we communicate that going forward? And um, and and that would be a message I have for the golf
0: world. You're a student of the game. I mean, you you study golf history, you study golf course architecture history. You've seen a lot of things throughout the course of your your own career. How do you just think having personal experience of seeing the highs and lows helps you when there's a a time like this?
1: Well, um, I think it gets back to the the, uh, – the, the values that golf has, and, and also in my, I, I listen as uh, as intently as I can. I was talking to Robert Trent Jones Jr. here a few weeks ago, and we were um, sharing some good laughs on the phone, and and we were talking about. We at the time, we, he and I were both trying to lobby Governor Newsom in California to keep golf courses open, and uh, Bob Bob is very well-connected in California, obviously, and so he he and I were strategically figuring out what the best way to get something in the hands of Governor Newsom was. But on the listening side of it, he said to me, he said, Forrest, you know, golf courses are the lungs of our community. You know, they're open spaces with trees, and, you know, they're producing oxygen, and they're places, they're parks, big parks, you know. And so over the years... Uh, my f- very good fortune to be able to be involved with the USGA and the superintendents and to have friends like Robert Trent Jones and others and to talk to people like yourself and to, you know, just, just have access to people. I learn something uh, all the time. And I think that at a time like this, you know, what happens in my world anyway, is I start to, um, you know, bring up little tidbits from things that I've heard or learned. And, um, and I, and I think it gets back to this question and answer, by the way, that golf is a tremendous, wonderful, unique form of erection. It's a wonderfully unique sport. Like I said earlier, that's You play with your own equipment, and and one assigned to each player. Um, It's very likely that the Phil Mickelson-Tiger Woods match that's being uh, planned uh, will could very well be the largest sporting event worldwide of 2020. And um, I'm I'm hopeful that I don't know if there's a date for it yet, but I heard May sometime. What an awesome opportunity for golf to have uh, two huge names and, and uh, celebrities, Tiger, and playing golf with a very limited crew. And I, I think that, again, we don't have football, hockey, basketball, baseball, all the things that, that um, we take for granted on TV and sports enthusiasts take for granted. We don't have that. And here's an opportunity for golf to, to literally have one of the biggest televised streaming events in the world and so i really hope that that is handled right and that everyone gets behind that and says let's celebrate the game of golf because it's it's one of the few um, huge uh, sports uh, that that we can play during this time and and be very entertaining
0: forrest if i'm not mistaken you had a chance to speak before the Western states' governors a few years ago. Is that right?
1: I did. I did, yes.
0: So some of our listeners and readers and followers sometime here in the near future might have to make a case to a politician. What are some keys and strategies you would give them to effectively talk to a a decision-maker like that?
1: Well, you know, I, I think it was... Will Rogers. I might get this quote wrong, but he, you know, he he said, "I never vote for politicians um, because they always want to get reelected or something like that." I mean, it, you know, it was, it, the the point is that it, you know that, uh, and I don't think I got that quote right. But the the idea is that you know what? There's something wrong with politicians because they they want to get reelected. Who would possibly want to get reelected? to something like being a politician, right? And um, and I think that that the key in dealing with elected officials is that you need to keep in mind that there is an inherent desire on their part to stay in office and to continue and so when you're dealing with them and communicating i've learned over the years that the important thing is to figure out how you can help them and how you can give them um information about golf that is and and they can in turn explain to other people. So in dealing with Governor Newsom, Robert Trent Jones and I um, were very careful to not get into the deep weeds of of why golf was important during this time, but to suggest ways that the governor could come out looking pretty good if he kept golf courses open. And I and, and for the Western governors I was there talking about water and golf and the values of golf and and um, one of my messages, which I think um, got home, was in terms of water and golf courses, the the uh, feeling up till that point was that golf courses use water. Well, there's a big difference between using and borrowing. And so that was my case, and I continue to make that case when I talk about golf courses and water. We don't use water. We borrow it. and and we put it back into the ground and we put it into the soil and we put it into the plants and the plants in turn produce oxygen and the trees produce oxygen and the the green space serves a purpose. But for the most part, when we take water out of the ground or we take it out of a river or we even use treated effluent and, and put it on a golf course, we're not using that water. We're temporarily borrowing it and then and then letting it go back where it, uh, most of it goes, uh, or a good portion of it goes into the ground or downstream. And, uh, and I think that those are the kinds of things that one can learn. I think, I think my mistakes dealing with politicians and policymakers in the past have been when I've gotten too detailed and I haven't taken the time to, to relax and to say, okay, what is the one thing? that I'm going to get across to this individual or this person or this board or this commission or this council or whatever. And and I think the successes I've had of when I've been able to really hone down the message uh, to one thing rather than trying to impart everything I know about a situation or a golf course.
0: Forrest, as we record this, more than 30 states are still permitting – Play. Do you view that as encouraging or are you disappointed by that total? I
1: think it's encouraging. Again, I, I think there's two reasons that you're seeing uh, golf courses shut down. First of all, I don't believe that there are too many valid reasons why they should be shut down from a pure logistic point of view. In other words, if, if the management is right and the people are responsible. Uh, who are out there using the golf courses I don't see any reason for them to be shut down um, and and if look at look at a grocery store, for example, the aisles are six and a half feet wide. people go down one way, they come down the other. People can go to a grocery store or to Costco or to a pharmacy a drug store, and they can either be responsible while they're there or they can act irresponsibly. I doubt if I go down to my local drugstore to pick up something, if there is someone there acting irresponsibly, I doubt they're going to shut down all the drugstores in Phoenix. So I think that's the problem, is that, yes, there might have been some people not responsibly social distancing on a golf course, maybe hanging around the parking lot in groups. That doesn't mean you should shut all golf courses. I go back to the two reasons that I think they've been shut down. One is... People don't understand golf. Number two, golf has been unfairly lumped in with other forms of outdoor recreation, like beaches or lakes or or piers or or playgrounds or things like that. And they're, 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 golf courses are not those things. So when you say there's 30 states allowing golf to be played, I've been following this as close as I can. In those 30 states, there are examples of closures like there are here in Phoenix. But I applaud the the communities and counties and jurisdictions that have allowed golf to continue. So I'm encouraged by it. Um, I understand New York is a different animal, and Governor Cuomo has closed golf courses. Um, I think he understands golf, but I think he was getting an earful, and he had to draw the line, and it was his decision. I don't agree with it because, again, there's no reason to close golf courses if the players and the management companies were responsible in setting them up and the superintendent was responsible in doing all the things that, that the superintendents have been doing to make golf courses less, uh, with less contact points. So I'm encouraged. It doesn't surprise me, uh, that we have a few pockets and communities where, uh, closures have happened. Um, and in most of those cases, I think that you can trace it back to one of the two problems either the you know like in Michigan I don't think the governor there, uh, from what I understand, really has an appreciation or understands golf. I think she has lumped it in with other things because it's the easier thing to do that's that's just my that's how I see it through the lens that I see uh, but I'm encouraged the fact the fact that we have thirty states where golf
0: being played, that's pretty awesome. Earlier this month, under odd circumstances, I ended up driving across the country to get home safely from California. I played a a bunch of golf along the way in the States where it's still being permitted for and I never felt safer than I did on a golf course. And also when I was on the course, you saw a lot of different things. You saw raised cups and, and, and foam at the bottom of the cup, the limit, digging into it to get out the ball. You saw no bunker rakes. You saw a lot of online payment not even going into the pro shop and honor boxes do you think anything that's happening here over the last few weeks will will stick long term do you think that part of the golf experience will be changed because of this uh parsed down experience people are having in the states where it's still open right now
1: i'm gonna guess yes there will be some things that um that that hang around um i'm not sure Uh, i i'm waiting for i'm waiting to see all the the patents and inventions of uh, of dampering devices so that when you hit the flagstick it behaves more like the ball going into the cup and and i'm 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 enthused about that because i i well, well I think that the whole dug into the ground is an inherent part of golf. Um, we have to remember that there are some advents in golf that uh, we take for granted today that that had no place in the game. Uh, hundreds of years ago. The wooden tee is a good example. So, you know, I mean, there's no golfer who golfs today that doesn't consider the, uh, the the wooden tee or the plastic tee to be an inherent part of the game, yet that was a fairly recent invention that it was not even a part of golf. So the hole is up for grabs. Um, the tee interval is up for grabs. The number of people in a group is up for grabs. The flagstick itself is up for grabs in terms of how it might be managed um, i I just think everything's on the table and um and i I agree with you I think when you were driving across the country, you experienced firsthand the difference between being on a crowded airplane or being on a train uh, with a bunch of other people sitting close to you that you you saw the contrast of what a golf course can offer. I think walking too is something that um uh, you know, is being encouraged through this. You know, not getting in a cart next to someone, and um, and I think so. So I think there are some things that will stay around. It'll be very interesting uh, to see how many of those stay around. I think I think the uh, the the raised cup and and the ball hitting the cup and whatever is is temporary. I don't I don't see things like that lasting long term uh, because it takes away part of the skill, but I, I do think that there'll be some interesting patents and inventions come out of this that, that perhaps lessen the amount of contact we have with the flag stick and the cup. Um, it'll be interesting to see those. I'm sure you've probably already seen a few
0: of them. Yeah, and the other thing that really fascinate, fascinated me, Forrest, is uh, the, the golf course is the only thing open at these facilities, so it's been really stripped down to just the the 9 or 18 or 36 holes or however many. I mean, the, the clubhouses aren't open, the, the the grills aren't open. And I would think you would agree with this, that the, the, the golf course is really shining through as the, the most important asset right now.
1: It is. At Mountain Shadows here, the little 18-hole par 3 course that I know you're aware of and, and, and got to see, the um, golf course is the only thing open. And uh, the the resort had, uh, I think, uh, 200-and-some employees, and the only employees working at the resort are the golf staff. And um, the only food and beverage open at Mountain Shadows is Rusty's Bar out on the patio uh, that is still serving to-go sandwiches and burgers and things like that. So... um, you are correct the the open outdoor fresh air golf experience is is the, the star right now and um the good that can come from that is it is a wake-up call perhaps to golf course owners and managers and operators that um that that we need to continue to invest and to uh you know really pay respect to to the actual golf course and um and I think there's been a return to that. I think we went through a phase I won't pick out the exact decade, but I think we went through a phase where the clubhouse was star, and the golf course was often forgotten and money wasn't put back into it. But I think this is an opportunity to you know to, to say, "Hey, well you know the, let's celebrate the golf course. That's why we're here."
0: Well, Forrest, I had a chance to walk. And play Mountain Shadows with you in January of 2019, and it was an incredible experience. And we afterwards did eat and chat it with uh, the superintendent out on Rusty's out on the patio, and that was one of the uh, you know, in this job you have a lot of great days, and that's one of the most memorable day, memorable days I had. So, you no, know, congrats again on that project, and and thanks for joining me on the the podcast. I know our listeners and followers are going to appreciate hearing your insight. It's always great to catch up and. Thanks again for everything you do for everybody in, in the golf industry.
1: Well, thank you, uh, Guy, and stay safe, and thanks for having me on. I look forward to uh, seeing you in person rather than on the phone. I don't know when that will be, but let's hope it's sooner than later.